0: You're listening to the Ruby on Rails podcast on the 5x5 network.
1: You're listening to episode 358 and I'm your host, Brittany Martin. Utah Newman is a self-taught front-end engineer with a passion for accessibility. Empathy is at the core of her work. While she loves coding, she finds purpose in building software with users in mind. In her spare time, she pines for karaoke and snuggles her cats, Janet and Border Radius 50%. It is so great to catch up with you, Utah.
0: Thanks, Brittany. It's so great to be here. Uh, This is my first podcast, and one of my cats may actually make an appearance.
1: All right, then. I like that. Well, I normally start with your developer origin story, but I have to ask you, Ta, what is the origin story of a cat named
0: Border Radius
1: 50%?
0: (laughs) Sure. Um, He is all black and he has a single white circle on his chest. So he pretty much named himself. So I call him Border Radius 50% when he's in trouble, but otherwise I call him Bordo.
1: That is an amazing name. Well, then that leads us right into your developer origin story.
0: Sure. Yeah, it's not linear and it's not short either. Um, it's, so I started out, if we go back to when I was in a PhD program for evolutionary biology a long time ago, I um, t- was required to take a course in ecological modeling using MATLAB. I don't have time for that stuff. But I did enough of the homework to think, oh, this might be fun if I had time for hobbies ever in my life. Um, then fast forward, I dropped out of the PhD program because it was terrible, started teaching math and science, knowing that's not what I wanted to do, but not knowing what I wanted to do. And I remembered that about MATLAB. And I took an online class in Python and was like, this is cool. Um, and at that same time, a friend of mine told me about a program in Seattle that was just starting up, um, that was a boot camp for women and non-binary folks. And so I really had to like wrestle with this, can I do this thing for like money? And I decided that I could, and I applied to the program and didn't get in. And then I applied to the program again and I didn't get in, but I had made my mind up. So I crowdfunded three months of expenses and began, or really continued teaching myself how to code. Um, When I was doing that, I was doing my studying at a small company, the one that we used to work at actually. And once I started looking for work, they were like, well, we could give you some work. And then it turned into my first job.
1: Wow, the tenacity behind your story, I don't think, you know, and as you mentioned, we did work together for a little bit at NERD, which was a, at the time, all-female consultancy, which was really cool to work at, and that's how we crossed paths, but I had no idea that you had applied to a boot camp several times, and that you basically crowdfunded your way into being a self-taught developer.
0: Yeah, I mean, it took a lot of work, it took a lot of help, and it took a lot of work. So
1: how did you approach it? Did you basically look for resources on the Internet to guide your learnings? Or did you look for mentorship? How did you tackle it?
0: So it was a little bit of both. Um, I had started going to a queer study group and one of the folks in the study group took interest in me. And so we started to meet regularly to talk about my plan and how my studies were going. Um, So there was that piece, and it was really meaningful help. Uh, I also did do a lot of looking at what kind of resources there were on the Internet at the time. Um, I did want to be a Rails developer at the time, and then when I was trying to teach myself RSpec, I wanted to die. And what got me back into it was doing a tutorial on making a robot with CSS. And I thought maybe I'm actually headed the wrong direction. Maybe this is where I want to be.
1: You naturally answered the next question I was going to ask you, because I feel that there's a point when you're learning how to code that, yes, there are full stack developers, but you usually derive joy from one or the other. Normally it's front end or back end. For me, I am so far back end that uh, I <laughs> I have enjoyed picking up all the DevOps work as well, because that really ensures that I can stay back there. But I have a high appreciation for the front end. And so you did have some experience with Ruby. But to this day, what, what are your frameworks and libraries of choice?
0: Yeah, I currently work in React. And uh, this is the first job that I've had that even used a framework at all, and I find I am enjoying it quite a bit. Uh, I also, like, my areas of, of expertise are more SaaS and accessibility, so I'm kind of the opposite of you. Like, for me, I am the very frontest of the front end and have kind of worked my way backwards into JavaScript and frameworks.
1: Can we bring up a controversial topic that I love when front-end developers say this, But I talk to many front-end developers who tell me they hate CSS, which always blows my mind. (laughs) Why do you think that's the case?
0: I think it's the case for a couple reasons. This is off the cuff. Um, One is CSS works differently than other scripting languages. And so it's like, it requires a different mindset. And I think the other piece is that it can be persnickety, especially if you don't understand the cascade really well, and it takes a while to understand the cascade really well. So things that are supposed to work in some contexts don't work in some contexts. So I like to think of CSS actually as a cat. Like there are these guiding principles, right, like you pet the cat one direction and you don't go for the cat's belly. But every cat's different. And sometimes, if you pet the cat the right way, the cat's going to claw you. <laughs>
1: I think you just named the episode. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So I've always wondered, too, because so many things uh, are difficult to understand in JavaScript, you know, it almost becomes a badge of honor once you understand it in JavaScript. And then the next thing you know, the CSS community announces, hey, you had to use JavaScript for that thing. Guess what? You can do it in CSS now. And I've always gotten the feeling that people are like, oh, but but I know how to do it in JavaScript. Like, you can't take that away from me. Like, I don't want to do that in CSS. And so I always wondered if that was the case as
0: well. I haven't heard that as much and I think in part because I'm more paying attention to the CSS side of things. So I'm more used to hearing people say, hey look, you don't need JavaScript for this. And it's, you know, and people are excited.
1: So Utah, tell me about Brightwheel.
0: Oh, I would love to tell you about Brightwheel. Um, Brightwheel is where I work. All right, so the software is for early childhood education centers um, on the admin side, so the people who run the centers, you can manage attendance, you can do student check-in and check-out, you can do your scheduling, billing, and parent communications all in one place. Uh, whereas without something like Brightwheel, then Admins are using different programs or even paper and pencil for all of these different systems. So we consolidate that and make it so that these admins can spend more time with kids, which is why most of them got into the business in the first place. Um, On the parent side, teachers will be using Brightwheel all day to document what their kid's doing. So taking a picture when they're finger painting or making a note of when they took a nap or things like that. And so at the end of the day, when the parent wants to have a conversation with their kid about what they did that day, they can be specific about it and be more connected with their kid than if they just had to say, what did you do today? And the kid says, I don't know.
1: That's so great. So can you tell me what a typical day is like at Brightwheel? Are you working with a UX designer? You know, how, how does the front end work?
0: Sure. Um, I don't usually, I haven't been on a team that's worked directly with a designer. So um, it's more been, I'm working directly with a PM and they have worked with the designer. My particular team has a contracted designer instead of a salaried designer and that's so that's a different experience um and really it is a lot of coordinating with the pm which i love because a lot of times it's like hey this looks a little weird what do you think about this and then we go back and forth pixel pushing uh which again i love it um but most of the time it's me working on a feature me getting help with feature or checking in with a PM.
1: Have you had any accessibility wins at Brightwheel?
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, So we we have work to do in terms of accessibility for sure. And there is support for accessibility in the company, but there's not, before I got here, not a lot of purchase in terms of like, how are we going to really approach this? Because um, there's there's small accessibility things and there's huge accessibility things like React inserts things dynamically into the DOM, but a screen reader user might not know that that content is now there, right? So that's a huge thing. Anyways, we there's a there's a wide scope, and one of the wins is that through my being a diplomatic loudmouth, um, we ended up kind of i got to go through kind of where our issues were both from a process standpoint and in a code standpoint and come up with a strategy for how we are gonna move forward and that was really cool and something we didn't have before
1: that's great so is right wheel hiring
0: oh my gosh are we hiring we are hiring so much (laughs) um One of the things that's true about Brightwheel is we just wrapped up a real big Series C um, fundraising round. And so we're growing really fast. And in engineering, we're hiring front-end, back-end, an analytics engineer, and engineering manager. We're also hiring across all teams in the company. So if y'all know any recruiters, designers, PMs, people in support, we're hiring for all of that.
1: This episode of the 5x5 Ruby on Rails podcast is brought to you by Scout APM. Scout APM is application performance monitoring designed to help Rails developers quickly find and fix performance issues without having to deal with the headache or overhead of enterprise platform feature bloat. With the developer-centric UI and tracing logic that ties bottlenecks to source code, Scout helps you quickly pinpoint and resolve performance concerns, like N plus one queries, slow database queries, and memory bloat, so you can spend less time debugging and more time building a great product. And with Scout's real-time alerting and weekly digest emails, you can rest easier knowing that Scout's on watch to help you resolve performance issues before your customers ever see them. Give Scout a try today with a free 14-day trial and experience firsthand why Rails developers worldwide call Scout their best friend. And as an added bonus for Ruby on Rails listeners, Scout will donate $5 to the open-source project of your choice when you deploy. Learn more at scoutapm.com slash rubyonrails. Thank you to Scout APM for supporting the show. I love that because the last episode I recorded was with Brian Mariani, who is a recruiter, and we talked about how it's really a great time for developers to find a job that really resonates with them. So if you are interested in Bright Wheels Mission, we'll definitely give you contact information to reach out to Utah. So Utah, you brought this up as a topic to discuss, and I'd love to get into it. And that's the idea of help. So as a developer, what tips do you have for giving help?
0: Yeah. So I have an a few different thoughts about this. I think it comes down to a couple things. One of them is really thinking about the scope of help. Like, what are the kinds of help that people need? And when I'm I'm talking about this, I'm talking about it kind of in the context of early career folks, even though we all need help at every stage of our careers. And so when I'm thinking about that, I'm thinking about that mentoring. And within that mentoring, I'm thinking coding, how to network, practice interviews, pay negotiation, help, um, how to talk about yourself, and just how to cope with the feelings of trying to become a developer. Because there's a lot of feelings that go into that. Uh, So mentoring is a really broad term that really can be broken down into all these different things. There's also like just giving resources. One of the things that NERD did was give me space that I could come and study. And that ended up with me seeing kind of what a day in the life is like, having exposure to more developers than I would have otherwise. Uh, So something even just like, here's a desk that you can study at turns into something really helpful. Um, but I'm kind of going into the next piece that I think is most important um, because I think connection is another way of helping. And I think the real crux of giving help comes down to building relationships with people. So it's a lot harder to give someone help if you don't have any connection with them, I feel like. And so some things that folks can do is just, do you have a new junior employee? Have coffee with them, see how they're doing, see what their goals are, just try and get to know them. And then you can really have more of a sense of how you can help. And I think that that's true of going to meetups as well. I know that's a little weird in COVID times, Um, but in the days before and after COVID, there will be meetups. And whenever you meet younger, younger career-wise, not necessarily younger age-wise folks, like we can be proactive with them. They have a lot to deal with trying to get into the industry. And so taking a little piece off of their plate so, just that, like, here's my card. Why don't you reach out to me? Here's my card. Let's go out for coffee if you connect with somebody at a meetup. And I think it can kind of go naturally from there.
1: I totally agree because I mentioned this on so many episodes that it is our responsibility as more experienced developers to support junior developers coming in. But that being said, We can't put all that weight on several developers and expect that to carry enough. We all need to do our part of chipping away a little bit at it and also knowing the right person for them to connect with. So if I have a junior developer that I'm interacting with who's super interested in the front end, I'm probably not the right mentor for them. I might be able to coach them on finding a boot camp, or I might be able to coach them on landing their first job, but really making that introduction to you is where the value comes in.
0: Right. Totally. Yeah, that connection that way is is really, really important too. I also think it's important to note, I don't know if this is true of any of you all listeners out there, but I get overwhelmed with this idea that I have to be somebody's everything. And so it's good for me to remember that like a little bit of help is still help. Like we have to know what we're resource to do.
1: I also struggle with the idea that it's not rude to tell somebody how to get help versus giving them direct help. So someone might come to me and say, Hey, I need to write a resume. This is going to be my first developer you know, experience, and I want to have a really sharp resume. And it's helpful to provide a resume that you think is a positive outlook on what they should be trying to achieve versus sitting down with them and actually writing out that resume with them. Because you're right, we only have so much time. And so, yes, agreeing to look over the resume afterwards is great, but you don't necessarily need to be synchronous on your help it is not rude to tell someone and be honest with them and let them know the time commitments that you have but make sure that they understand that you they're still important to you
0: yeah definitely i think that's really true and again it's still you are giving them directly help
1: totally agreed Well, the last topic I wanted to get into is something that you've agreed to be very honest about, which I think is fantastic. And I think it's important that we discuss things like mental health is that, you know, you're very honest about having ADHD. And so I'd love to talk about, you know, when you discovered that you had this diagnosis and, you know, how it affects your day-to-day life as a developer.
0: Mm, Sure. Yeah. The when of it was at that first job at NERD. I was having so much trouble, like, I didn't have an external monitor, so on my, I'm just looking at my code editor and my browser and my, oh my gosh, what's that called? Console, terminal, what, you know what I mean, with the typey-typey in the branches and stuff. (laughs) So, okay. Um... And just keeping track of all of it was really like eating into my productivity. And after a number of times of one of my coworkers listening to me talk about this, she said, Utah, have you ever considered that you might have ADHD? And I could honestly say that I had not because I always did well in school and I thought, well, that must mean I don't have ADHD, but then I did some Googling. And since we know that we can believe anything on the internet, I realized that, yeah, probably I do. And so I got tested. And so this was about four and a half years ago now. Um, And it was really profound. Like I realized that the struggles that I've was having as a developer and the struggles that I had had about a lot of executive function things in my life were not my fault. Like that they were actually a a brain thing and I could do stuff about it. So how do you
1: make sure you stay in the big picture instead of getting hyper-focused on a small aspect of a
0: feature? Sure, Um, I have a lot of tools for that. Uh, One is that I map out features ahead of time, like as much as I can, the big picture. And I keep that map like in an open tab all the time so I can reference it. I make a list for myself each day of what tasks I'm doing based on how long I think they'll take me. I also when I'm starting a feature, I'll do estimations for smaller parts of it and I'll kind of keep myself um, I'll kind of measure my progress against that To see like am I kind of am I getting lost in the weeds? Another thing that's true is I've just realized that if I am on a detail for a long time something's wrong So like something is wrong with how this detail is getting implemented or it's more costly than the value of it is. And so usually what that means is I need to reach out to somebody. So I will go to my PM or I'll go to another developer and get some help with it.
1: How has that changed things, you know, since we're all working remotely during the pandemic?
0: Interestingly, it's it's made no difference here because I started this job maybe two weeks before shelter-in-place. So there was no, you know, there was no, like, difference between... And now we're all remote and the before times. Um, I think that we, as a team at Brightwheel, work really well as a distributed team. And so, you know, it's really easy to just... Slack out and talk to somebody.
1: This episode is sponsored by Mint Mobile. After the year we've all been through, saving money should be at the top of everyone's resolution list. So if you're still paying insane amounts of money every month for wireless, why not switch? Switching to Mint Mobile is the easiest way to save this year. As the first company to sell premium wireless service online only, Mint Mobile lets you maximize your savings with plans starting at just $15 a month. I've recently started using Mint Mobile myself and I can vouch that the service coverage is far better than my old carrier. Plus, I was able to continue using my beloved iPhone while saving money. By going online only and eliminating the traditional costs of retail, Mint Mobile passes significant savings on to you. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all of your existing contacts. And if you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has you covered with their 7-day money-back guarantee. To get your new unlimited wireless plan for just $15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com ruby. That's mintmobile.com ruby. Cut your unlimited wireless bill to $30 bucks a month with mintmobile.com ruby. Awesome. Um, Do you find yourself having to limit notifications and things? Because we know how all the social media networks work. They want your attention right away. There's all kinds of pop-ups and notifications. You know, how do you make sure that you're focused on the thing at hand?
0: Oh yeah, definitely. I only have Slack notifications and I don't have the little like knocky knock, Um, which is to say I have no sound on for that. And that's the only thing that I let vie for my attention.
1: That makes total sense. So are your coworkers aware that you
0: have ADHD and how can they be supportive of you? Yeah, they're aware. I'm pretty vocal about it. Um, And the ways that they can be supportive, one is just sometimes my brain gets jammed up and I forget or I have a hard time kind of untangling my thoughts. And so one thing is just being open to talking out logistics or organization of, of work. Another thing is being proactive about having organized processes. Um, so like for documentation and particularly onboarding, So being able to like streamline these processes and make it easy for someone like me to be able to get the information that we need easily. If documentation is like in five different places, then I'm gonna forget where to go and I'm gonna have a hard time. But if we have a hub, that's gonna be a lot easier. And so yeah, having having some advocacy around that is really good.
1: That makes so much sense. And thank you so much for bringing, you know, this honest topic to the podcast. So Utah, how can listeners follow you?
0: Oh, you know, I am pretty quiet on the social meds these days. Um, so I am on Twitter at uh, the Utah Kate, the Utah Kate.
1: And if listeners are interested in reaching out to
0: you about Bright Wheel. Yeah, my email is utah.newman at mybrightwheel.com and I'm happy to talk about Brightwheel anytime.
1: Fantastic. Well Utah, congratulations. You have just recorded your first podcast. Woo-hoo. It was so great to get to catch up with you and I'm looking forward to talking to you in the future. Thanks, awesome.
0: Utah. Thanks so much.